Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm Colin. And I'm Matt. Yeah, we're happy to have Colin in the studio, a sometimes host on State of the Empire, here in person for a change. Yep, here I am, in person. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hologram, That's as, right. as per usual. As per usual. <laughs> Last time we had you on, uh, you and Matt were talking about the uh, the Clone Wars overall and a big broad spectrum oh, yeah. analysis of that. Yeah, and, 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 and the more we watch... Rebels, the more it becomes apparent that that is required um, viewing material. Yeah, and uh, you think you think it, you think it's hit required. Required. Okay. Definitely, certain episodes are required. Well, yeah. yeah, we actually just we just saw an episode of Rebels that was in some ways a direct sequel to something something that happened in the episodes of the Clone Wars that um, feature Saw Gerrera, Forrest Whitaker's character in Rogue One. It didn't pertain. It didn't directly reference him at all, but they it had some kind of tandem relationship to that. Um, yeah, the uh, the tactical droid was specifically, strangely enough, the tactical droid from the the serial that featured Saw. So it was just kind of a weird footnote. Yeah, it not not any kind of like teaser for Rogue One, really, just a weird mm-hmm. thing. So we're gonna be talking about Rebels uh, as well as <laughs> all the crazy stuff happening with uh, with Rogue One. We got we got some weird Episode Eight stuff and uh, a ton of uh, State of the Empire style in depth analysis about um, the Ahsoka novel and some other stuff from the Star Wars canon that you may have missed out on. Plus, we got a heck of a Willow watch for you this time around, so stay tuned for that. So let's start the opening crawl on Rogue One. Oh, oh, no, let's not, because there is no opening crawl on Rogue One at all. There, it's, it's confirmed. We've been talking about whether there would be one for a while, and no, there's, there's no opening crawl. Interesting. So if you were going to watch it in chronological order, the first experience that you would have with the, the, this, this new era of Star Wars would be, like past the prequels, yeah. would be no crawl. If you were skipping, I, I, I th- the, if you were skipping the prequels, you would go Rogue One. Well, you'd, if you're skipping the prequels, then you'd go Rebels, mm. Star Wars Rebels. Well, I'm talking just movies. Okay, I'm talking just movies. I mean, because <laughs> yes, the, yes. the movies canon beat everybody. What, else's about, canon. The, what about what the about the Clone Wars? Wars movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's gonna forget the Clone Wars. It's a, it's it's required viewing for most for the people who are interested in it. Uh, in in but the Clone Wars uh, movie is uh, before Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. 
Honestly, okay. I, I think Rogue One is going to mean a lot more having watched Rebels than going into a oh, try. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, you're not going to be. I, that's that's a, that's the hard thing that they're they're making this universe where it's basically like you have to watch all of these TV shows and then all of this all of these movies. Or not uh, to get anything out of it, it's just kind of. Well, or no, not it, you could you could know. go it, if you never saw any Star Wars movie and you went into Rogue One, you don't have to know Luke Skywalker. I suppose no, that's true. You don't have to know Darth Vader. You just yeah. gotta know that that guy's the bad guy. You know, you could just tell right. by looking at him, and then sure. it's just you know. As a matter of fact, Colin, you know, going into the original movie, people didn't know anything about Luke or Darth Vader. Yeah, do you know that? <laughs> well, right, but <laughs> son of a bitch. But the, you're, I'm just I'm I'm thinking in terms of like my kid, like what what am I gonna show him, and in what order? You know what I'm saying? Like I can't do it in. I don't know. Am I gonna do the machete method? Does the machete method actually apply anymore? And where do and where does Spaceballs and the holiday special fit into all that? <laughs> I agree. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think that those uh, are Thanksgiving and Christmas is where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're gonna show them original theatrical gonna... release order, like good American. Actually, that's gonna be the uh, the the holiday special is gonna be the first thing that he sees uh, for <laughs> Star Wars. Is the is 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 uh... get it out of the way. So it's all all up from there. Oh yeah. I, I as far as my my take on on no crawl i i think it's a good idea because you only have one chance here to decide whether or not you're going to lock in the other spinoff films right into a crawl yeah. if you have a crawl in this movie you always have to have a crawl and obviously the beginning is very important for setting up tone and uh so i think this will be a, a good chance for it to stand out i do think it's gonna be some sort of like you know thin red line style opening and probably seem like close up on like a you know alien world like when a, a an alien creature <laughs> on a you know alien world and then like you'll see like rogue one in the bottom corner it'll be small text and, and then, then that then creature you'll, you'll farts or burps stinky poodoo <laughs> yeah all the stuff that we've been seeing is just not the movie oh, i man. want i want that well it's the reshoots yeah <laughs> well the, uh, they, they needed more gungans yeah we need Jar-Jar's more humor in it. more humor oh, in jesus this. christ uh, I, I they're wanted... gonna redeem his character in this Jar's oh, gonna get redeemed i would love to one. see like a grizzled like you a know gungan? gungan i would love to general see general gungan yeah yeah, yeah. i mean well tarples is dead Thing well, I know, but I'm just saying we, ha- we had that Gungan. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I'm saying seeing Jar Jar go through that transition, like a grizzled, like he went through, he was a senator. War and then, is a pudu. Yeah, exactly. And then, no, see, and now he's Saul a fighting, Guerrera, now he's truly a fighting force. Saul Guerrero was, is a, is, is a fake thing, just like they did for, uh, a false in, flag. In, <laughs> false flag. Like, like, like Into Darkness when he's like, his name is John whatever, but it's actually Khan. And you know how like when they first tried to do Jabba, they had an actor play Jabba. They were going to sculpt over him. It's the same thing, but with Forrest Whitaker, they're going to sculpt over Boss Nass on top of him. Oh, my God. I think Jar Jar definitely serves in the same squad as uh, Dexter Jetster. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Like, they're, they're together, and now they're, they're definitely like the gritty versions of themselves in Rogue One. Well, uh, as far as again back to the opening titles, uh, <laughs> you remember we talked about the um, uh, they did a, a Skyfall opening or was it Spectre? It was Spectre. They did, they took a, a song from, that was rejected for the opening of Spectre, a beautiful Radiohead song. Yeah, and they and they did an opening with Star Wars graphics and everything. And like, I want a real you know dark tone poem opening that really sets the mood instead of if you you know you it's probably going to go straight into the action, which is you know it's all fine and cool, but. It just be it's what an opportunity to really make your mark and set a precedent for future spinoffs. 
I love that idea, but I don't know about this movie. If we get like a real like like yeah, there's some espionage in this film, but it still feels very much like a war film. Mm-hmm. I think if we got like a real Star Wars espionage film, mm-hmm. I would love to see them do some sort of James Bond yeah. style. And like I, I don't mean to make it like sexy like a Bond thing, but just have an open well, no, sequence I just, that's not yeah, clips but of I mean movie. that's sort of homage yeah. to the style. Yeah. We're either going to get nothing or something, but not a crawl, which mm-hmm. is exciting because it's different. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about Rogue One after the Blast Doors, which is, if you're new to the show, uh, that's where we save all the actual real spoilers for. Um, everything we're talking about in this section is, uh, it's, it's safe. It, it might be new news, it might be insights and so on, but it's not going to be something that you're going to think that, ah, State of the Empire ruined this experience for me. We're not going to play it like that. So uh, let, let's talk about some other weird nuanced shit. Um, recently, because <laughs> that's that's what we got. That's the show. We're gonna we we dig through the countless pile of transmedia. Oh, the next, next iTunes review. They dig into all the weird nuanced, nuanced shit. shit. I love <laughs> it. We we get if all there, up in that band. If there's one Poodoo. series, if, if there's a series though that everybody really gets into nuances, it's definitely Star Wars. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Um, the original trilogy has been picked apart to every single little thing. And we're here to be the the archaeologists picking apart the picking apart. Like you know, because archaeologists they they dig through fossilized shit, and that's what we do here on State of the Empire. It's it's a respectable mm-hmm. career move, and we're scholars, goddammit. it. <laughs> uh, so so Tops Cards has this thing called the Tops Card tra- uh, Trader. It's a di- <laughs> you're laughing. You're I love how you're like you're like we're segway. scholars, goddammit. it. Now Tops Cards. <laughs> <laughs> Respectable career decision. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck it. Um, so <laughs> eh, I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, Tops Card Trader. It's this weird app where you get digital trading cards. I've never used it, quite frankly. Uh, but there was an Entertainment Weekly preview of some Rogue One trading cards on there that showed us some cool shit, including some two two Rebel Mon Calamari folks that are all white, like uh, Ghost Shrimp. <laughs> like albino? Yeah. yeah. Really? Albino Mon Calamaris. Huh. Um the uh we got a great shot of the two tubes twins. The uh the one of one of which was uh debuted when his costume was shown at San Diego Comic Con. And uh a, a card called Life on Jetta, Jetta being the um Holy Land retreat and so on, and we have these kind of like uh weird alien burka like visages. Um they're super neat looking. We also have a weird note on the droid C2B5, who confused us in our last episode because on uh, the very slim pickings Force Friday, Rogue Friday um, debut of all the merchandise, there was a black astromech droid that was getting the premium treatment in some cases, being shown around a lot. And we're like, the fuck is this random astromech? Well, we don't know, but if a tweet from Star Wars is to be believed, it just showed up in an episode of Rebels. Um, in the hmm. background of the episode where Wedge Antilles is uh, defects into the Rebel Alliance, huh. there is a, this astromech unit there, and at Star Wars tweeted with an image of this droid. Says the uh, the Empire uses astromechs like C two B five for various maintenance and security tasks on installations throughout the galaxy, and they said with frequent memory wipes, of course. Hmm. Hmm. So, so 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 the toy in question was this like realistic like rogue one real toy looking or was this like rebels toy looking yeah he has a he has a figure he has a vinyl pop figure um okay that makes it more difficult and there's a third spot i believe i saw him i mean he's definitely been around well that was zuvio 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I was. Is actually, there a Zuvio pop vinyl? I don't think it was a pop vinyl, but I mean, like he got. And he, you know, he don't. He, he don't matter. He ain't got pop vinyl. <laughs> they got Vader in three different colors. They got Vader with a mask, without a mask. They got old Ben, young Ben. They got fucking Luke, don't old let, Luke. Hey, if, if you list all the pops, are gonna be here all night. Yeah, <laughs> old Han, young Han, no Zuvio. Mm. Well, the, here's the, this thing. I mean, C two B five could be. Ju- I don't. I mean, this. It seems like one of those things where they they tease a character that is ultimately just like incidental, uh, much like how we had the overexposure of Zuvio when they ultimately cut him from the film and showed great disrespect to one of what would have been one of the, the most triumphant characters in uh, the Star Wars oh, yeah, galaxy. And, uh, totally, without question. Um, anyway, uh, so we don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> We, we 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 don't we don't know. The C two B five could be character to look out for, or could be absolute background garbage. C two B five has a sideshow collectible. <laughs> like, I mean, there, I don't think even Zuvio got that. No, treatment. no, he didn't. He did not. So, I mean, if there's if there's if there at any point is a droid carrying the Death Star plans, it's gonna be this droid. And he and I'm let me say this: if he if he actually gets screen time, maybe we're gonna get a heroic death. Hmm. Hmm. He's just saying people gonna die. I was just saying. He's just saying droid gonna blow up. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be scrap metal. Um, also, he's, it, just, he's just there for like one second, and then like you know she. <laughs> then, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna scream in the theater. No. C two B five. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then literally, ex- as he's rolling to wedge his X wing, the motivator, the motivator blows, <laughs> yeah. screeches to a halt. C two's got a bad motivator. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Um, so in other uh, in other weird stuff that's been uh, tweeted, if you're looking forward to the James Luceno book Rogue One Catalyst, um, which comes out November fifteenth, uh, Pablo Hidalgo, keeper of well one of the many keepers of the Lucasfilm Story Group, retweeted from a, tw- uh, the, a a tweet that a Delray Publishing employee made saying that Catalyst should be read before and after Rogue One. Oh. Uh-huh. The book's so nice you read it twice. <laughs> or you or you read it and then stop reading it in the mm. middle at like a like a some kind of break and then pick it up again afterwards. I don't know. I don't I don't know what that means. Uh or oh, ma- well it's it's you know you're gonna you're gonna read it and then you're gonna see the movie and then you're gonna go back and read it again and you'll have the more insight into what that's they an, were actually talking about. Oh I feel that there's two interpretations of this. Yeah. And that's one of them and then yeah. there's the other one. Well, what's the other one? The other one is that maybe like readers should actively stop in the middle beca- oh. and then read it afterwards. Okay. Which seems like a terrible way to do something, quite yeah. frankly. But it's it's possible. Okay. Now, um, as far as uh, you know, deleted content like Zuvio goes, um, I, I feel we're we're kind of we're moving away from what we can talk about with with uh, with Rogue One right now. Um, it's getting increasingly it's all it's been a secretive film throughout its entire cycle. It's getting increasingly more secretive. Um, we're getting new leaks. We're getting weird new footage. We're getting an inexplicable Gillette Razor commercial, which we'll link to on this episode's page. <laughs> it's so freaking weird too. Um, like they showed a lot of stuff on that. I mean, like they did, but. It's the most cinematic Razor commercial ever committed to film, and it might either be, one, composed out of um, shots from the movie and starring um, a background actor who they then recast for the final, you know... Right, the, for the it, Gillette reveal. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Gillette, Gillette reveal of like, hey, I'm just a dude like you, just shaving my face. Because <laughs> um, it's... Here's... Let me describe this for you, and you can you you should watch it. You should watch this because the, the it is pe- really the people what the at Gillette are a few years at the marketing's a few years behind because I think someone saw the Dead Island trailer and was like, "That's what the kids like." 
We got to get kids into razor blades. So it it's <laughs> it's <laughs> start them young. <laughs> it it's it's the soldiers on Scarif, the tropical planet. Um, there, there's about to be a conflict between stormtroopers and rebel troopers, and then all of a sudden it starts playing backwards, and you see the rebel troopers go like in the up in the drop ships, and then all the way back to Yavin, and blah blah blah, and then walking back, and then finally, hey, I'm a dude in the bathroom, just got to shave, just got to shave my face. I, I was really disappointed there wasn't a, a Jin Erso one of her being like, oh, got it, got to shave my legs, gone on a mission. <laughs> But that dude's so glad he shaved his face before going in the bathroom. Yeah, he's, oh, totally. Well, he, he looks so good. He looks like a million bucks. He looks I mean, fresh. He's one of those stormtroopers. Just gonna kiss him. They're like, shit, I can't kill you. You're too handsome. Yeah, yeah. man, you ain't the dirty rebels come. You're like some clean metrosexual well, looking rebel. Yeah, man. They're, well, they're trying to change their image. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, rebel scum. Like, it, you, you know, you gotta you shave that off. You gotta shave the scum off, and then you gotta clean the the basin yeah, yeah. because the, the soap scum. So, so to have a look at this. You, there's. You know. It, it's the then that is literal <laughs> that is rebels come. <laughs> <laughs> the production values are through the roofs and roof, and it may actually be like made from footage from the film. They may have actually taken this extra out of the movie and said, "Hey, we're gonna highlight you in this commercial." That could have actually happened. We don't know. Or they just were like, you know, they're on the different sets, and we're like, they knew full in advance they wanted to film a battle scene like that, and they said, "All right, we're gonna bring in one red camera." <laughs> and this one extra, and just have him run around. Yeah, who yeah. knows? But I, I can't even imagine coordinating something like this. I don't. It seems pretty. I mean, if this isn't a part of the movie, it seems pretty significant. It's, I mean, they they really they, they use they, the sets. They, like, they this put guy a lot get of money into vinyl. this. <laughs> <laughs> Holds a little razor. Oh man, he <laughs> is the astromech. <laughs> He well, he gets shot by the stormtroopers, and then he's know, put that, that, those the were the communicators in yeah. Phantom Menace. He's they were, the one. Uh, Lady Shavers. Yep. Yeah. He's the one who wipes <laughs> the droid memories. That's his job when they're not in the fight, when they're back at base. He, he's That's a right. mem- droid memory wiper. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it looks very similar to a Gillette razor, the wiper. Yeah. <laughs> also coming out November 15th is the Force Awakens Collector's Edition, uh, which features a lot of new deleted scenes, possibly even the deleted content with Zubio. Very possible. That we'll, we'll link to where you can get a preview of one of these scenes online. It features its Unkar Plutz long discussed confrontation with Ray in Maz Kanata's castle. He tracked her down to there. And uh, boy, it's garbage. And I'm so glad they cut it from the movie. It's a hot turd. If you thought, if you thought that the member berries of Force Awakens had gone too far, um, you had, man. You ain't seen nothing because this is the tributary of Maz Kanata's castle to the Moss Eisley Cantina. Um, it just keeps going because you. How about how about a scene where a guy gets his arm taken off? Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, it's by, shameful. By, by no less by the Wookiee. Yeah, oh. I mean, like an Ankar following her all the way. Unbelievable! Just for the Millennium Falcon, this piece of shit ship that was sitting in his hey junkyard. hey hey hey! that thing made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs yeah like 30 years ago and it sat in the <laughs> desert ever since collecting rust if it was so precious to him why didn't he ever use it for anything you know like i don't know i don't buy it i don't buy that he would follow her just because unless he wants the droid but then again it's like no it, it's know. terrible it was a terrible idea yeah. and it, thank god it got cut <laughs> it's it still it still appears in the Force Awakens novelization, so I don't know about uh, canonicity. I mean, mm. maybe it happened. I guess ultimately, it's a negligible event. But thank God it's not in the film. God, I mean, well, I mean, actually, yeah. you know what? I wish it was in the film because then all of the 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 problematic elements of Rogue One would have been further highlighted of 
oh dear, this is kind of a retread. You mean uh, uh, Force oh, sorry, Awakens. Force Awakens? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm staring at the word Rogue One <laughs> presently. <laughs> um, but let's move on to Han Solo, which has some of the really some of the biggest news in between episodes here. Um, as you know, for the past two episodes, I've been championing. Uh, Shamik Moore as uh, Lando, and unfortunately, the internet won. And as much as I like Donald Glover, I'm sad that to say Donald Glover is Lando. I don't think that's unfortunate. I think that's great. He could do a fine job. He's going to be great. Yeah, Donald Glover is awesome. Been, uh, I've had the pleasure of of going through Atlanta for the last couple of days, and I have absolutely no issues whatsoever with him playing. He, it, that show is so good, and he is terrific. And I, I really think he's going to do an amazing job. Do you hear what his, I, I uh, hope he does. Do you hear what his mom said? No. Uh, apparently, <laughs> the word got out. He's just like, Mom, I'm, I'm Lando. And the first thing she said was like, don't screw it up. Yeah, thanks, she's nice. Because she apparently, get, she, she, that was like, that was her guy. Yeah. Lando, Lando was, was, was her man. And uh, now her son's going to be playing. It's like, oh, I'm so proud of you, son. You're going to do well. It's like, don't screw this up for me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I got the pressure now. I got to do well because mom, mom, mom told me to do good. Wow. Do you think they're going to have a uh, Childish Cambino track at the end of Rogue One? <laughs> well, I don't know because... That's, that's how it's going to open. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, and they could use, uh, at the end of it, it'll be like one of those movie uh, those movie tie-in songs that had, that takes like clips from the song, uh, clips from the movie into yeah. the song. Oh, my God, guys. This is and they, be- just, they just regurgitate the plot of the movie that you just saw. Yes, in, in Rogue One. <laughs> well, that's the trailer music. You know, actually, this is... I mean, the, the credits music. Um, the, my, my favorite podcast that, that we don't... That's not one we make, um, Beyond Yacht Rock, they've, they invent musical genres. Or they, they, you know, they look at all the, the, the music material out there and find new genres that already, you know, are previously existing. Um, there's one that they've been working on for a long time called Plot Rock, which generally <laughs> centers around film. And the first one that they unleashed recently uh, for Halloween was horror wrap-ups, specifically rap songs dealing with uh, the plots of horror movies and collecting all that into a single Like Leprechaun 3 or something? Uh, like... the, the Leprechaun one did not make it, but only because they couldn't find a clean cut of it. It was never released as a standalone track. Ooh. Um, but mm. but almost all the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack made it on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on that one. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll link to that. It's a great episode. But yeah, some it's not, it's not a horror wrap-up, but, <laughs> but yeah. a, a, a Han Solo wrap-up would be you know, or Orlando Calrissian, of course, in this case, would mm-hmm. be would be awesome. Um, now the uh, I, but the tone the tone of the film, even though we have these comedy directors, uh, Lord and Miller, doing this, that might actually this this film might not be what we think it is. It might not be the the Lando comedy romp that we're expecting here, um, because they recently announced the cinematographer was going to be Bradford Young, who's extremely talented, highly decorated uh, young guy who's basically buzzing and him being on this movie is unusual he thought it was unusual too and here's some quotes from him from a recent interview he says it's funny here's the thing about phil lord and chris miller don't let their track record fool you don't put those guys in a box because they have a vision they know exactly what they want they have no hidden agenda but they do have an agenda they have a way of seeing that's very special and their collaboration is genuinely unique so I have to say, I had to get converted into that. I respect their work. I respect them as filmmakers, but I wasn't quite sure if there would be a good marriage between what I'm trying to pursue in the work and when what I'm doing and what they're doing. But they helped me make that real clear early on by expressing some real interesting story and photographic ideas that really resonated with me. 
So once they started really pulling me into that world, I realized how much these cats have come from the same pedagogy of filmmaking, in the visual sense for sure, and definitely from an approach in terms of how we want to make movies. They come from the same school. These cats are subversive. Don't let it fool you. They are prepared to say exactly what they want to say, and it's complex, it's layered, it's smart, it's visual, it's dramatic, it's funny, it's uneasy, it's unexpected. I'm honored to have them in the list of directors I've worked with, that's for sure. What is the what has he worked on? Like what's his body of work? He is the cinematographer for Arrival. Oh, okay. Upcoming sci-fi drama. Um, which visually looks just, I mean, absolutely stunning. Um, Selma, A Most Violent Year. I mean, he's extremely talented. It is on like the current list of like the it cinematographers. But he's very much a dramatic cinematographer. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't think he's done comedy thus far in his like feature length repertoire. Which is why this and, quote suggests that we're going to see did, something really did unusual. He, did he, did he, was, did he, was it him or was it someone else? Uh, attached to the project that said that there's a movie that they're going for. There's a tone that they're going for that's similar to another movie that they've been like, that's been like their guide. And if I were to tell you what that movie was, it would give everything away. So I can't tell you what the movie was, hmm. but but they, they have several movies in mind, one more than the other. I and don't know that quote. That's it was, cool. this, yeah, it, um, and that got my mind racing as to like, well, what are the movies that they're probably referencing and what is the one movie that they're like super aiming for? And I started to think of uh, you know, movies were similar in tone, like two people teaming up. Maybe they're, you know, on the other side of the law. And uh, there, there's one that I want it to be, and there's one that I think it really is. The one that I want it to be is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, you got Lando and uh, Han Solo, but it's not that. The one I think, they're, based on his history of that serious drama type of thing, and something that's visionary and it changes things, I'm thinking Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. But there's a lot of comedy in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, too. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be it's comedy in It's very dramatic, but yeah. it's just like there's a lot of... I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain there's going to be laughs in this because it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, well, Hans, it's Lando Han and Han, Han Solo. Yeah. yeah, you can't not so, have it. And, you know, them palling around the galaxy and stuff and uh, supposedly how he may or may not lose the Falcon to him in the first place. I don't know, right. but, it, but either way. Yeah, a Hollywood Reporter journalist, uh, Boris Kitt, revealed on Twitter that a couple sources have told him that, the, that this film will reveal how Han won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Interesting. Maybe it's just a movie that's just that. He's just it's playing. Just, it's just the card game? Yeah. It's just Sabacc? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it'll be like almost got him the Batman the Animated Series episode. They're just yeah. going to be playing cards and telling stories. Yeah, right, that's I'll just, it. I'll say it'll be like Casino Royale, but without any car chases or action scenes. Just <laughs> <like>. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the female lead who we we and many other people speculate could actually be the, the character from the comic book who says she's Han Solo's wife, Sana Staros. Uh, she's being cast presently, and it is down to, as far as we know, three Three actors here, uh, Tessa Thompson, who is in Selma and Creed, Naomi Scott from Power Rangers, and Zoe Kravitz. They've all done screen tests. Um, and then one final Han Solo note. In issue four of the Han Solo comic, which is great, by the way, it's fantastic. When it gets collected, you should you should pre-order it now and, and look forward to it being delivered to you in the mail via our Amazon links. Go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon or, or li- follow the links on this episode's page to pre-order a shit ton of awesome Star Wars stuff. They In this issue, issue four, they have a hover tank from Rogue One. Mm. And Matt pointed out that uh, Han Solo sure does a little bit, look a little bit like Alden Ehrenrich on uh, some, of these, uh, some uh. of these panels. Yeah, we're, we're going to start to see that transition pretty soon, if not like, I mean, I think they're definitely getting there, but I think it's going to become full-fledged pretty soon. 
Would you say this comic was on par with uh, the Lando comic series? Uh, oh, that's tough because it hasn't ended yet, but it very easily could be. Um, mm. I think Lando had a lot of charm because it was a it was a very encapsulated story that took place in an extremely narrow um, environment. Mm-hmm. And this Han Solo thing, it's like it, imagine the fucking greatest F Zero comic you could you could imagine. <laughs> And it's it's like all about like the racers going out and like mm-hmm. like doing stuff when they're in between legs of the race or whatever. Hmm. It's like that, um, or maybe Cannonball Run kind of. Okay. I don't know, but like <laughs> it's 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 fantastic. Is it, it like the Seven Sabers? Like, are they doing? Is it what's it? The plot is that uh, Hans, there, Leia needs Han to pick up some informants because they're about to get found out. Uh-huh. And in order to where is this in the timeline? Uh, this is in between. Uh, New Hope and Empire. Okay. And, oh, okay. Um, okay. And in order to mask their extraction, she foot the bill for Han Solo to race in the race he's been dreaming about his entire life. Um, the It's called like the Dragon Void Run. And it's like, it's the race to end all races. And so not only is he trying to do his mission in it, but he's also like, I'm going to fucking finish this race. I'm going to do it. And it, and it's about him and the other people racing it and their weird like drama and interaction and so on and the Imperials So he's doing the, the mission tail. and the race at the same time? Yeah. Damn. It's good. It's real good. You know, I hope... I take back what I said about uh, Butch Casting and Sundance. I think their number one movie reference will be Cannonball Run. <laughs> I'd see that movie. Oh, yeah, Kessel, I'd see Kessel Kessel Star Wars yeah, version of Cannibal Run. Hell yeah, yeah, Castle Run the movie. Yeah, Kessel can it be Run. more? Can it be more wacky races than Cannibal Run? <laughs> Mix them both. Cannibal Run too, man. Yeah, that made it a little. Uh, that went all Either sorts that, off. So okay, the rails. so what's it going to be? Cannibal Run or Smokey and the Bandit? It, well, you know, you bring up a valid point. Um, wouldn't it make so much sense to not only see how he gets the Millennium Falcon, but also see him do the Kessel Run in this uh, film? It would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because especially since um, that's all they that that was like the I thing just, that they talked about. I just want this film to explain every line he's ever said in all three <laughs> films, which I think would suck. Um, no, it would. It would. But and and just going back to that Bradford Young quote, like if anybody's really watched any of the Lord and Miller films, like it's pretty obvious. I mean, they are very smart, subversive filmmakers. Even in things like Jump Street that seem obvious, there's so much going on about what those movies are saying about movies themselves. And I really think... And Lego movies kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's really... I think it's going to be a pretty special movie. I'm more excited about that than I am episode 8. Just need more... more just ruin more classic lines from the original trilogy. Like at the end, Han is talking to Sana Solo before she's solo, and he's just like... Hey, you know, why don't you stick around? We could use someone like you. And she goes, well, What good's a reward if you ain't around to use it? Bye. And leaves. And he's like, I don't remember that line. I, I hope he does time. the Kessel run in 14 parsecs. And then lies and about it. And it turns out he's lying. <laughs> uh, that would be fucking great. Uh, okay. So, um, episode eight, we had, we had so much news about it months ago, and it's dried up. It's yeah. dried right up. Well, they gr- stopped filming. I mean, well, they finished filming, rather. Yeah, or like, and anything they are doing is behind closed doors. But we're getting some weird stuff coming from some weird places. First of all, mentioned as a little Willow Watch teaser, Warwick Davis is in it, but he was also in, um, he was also in episode seven as a background character in Maz Kanata's castle, so uh, don't get too excited like I did, thinking they were going to show Wicket's death on screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> just canonize it like they're going to uh, Willow's actual planet. Canonize the entirety of Willow as yes. part of the Star Wars universe. There you go. Yeah, yeah. make it happen. Make it so. Um, In my so, mind, it already is. <laughs> so what we do have is we have some weird costuming rumors coming out of MakingStarWars.net. And rumors, that, though they are, um, Making Star Wars is a pretty high, pretty good track record, and um, they they they've been informed by sources about these costuming elements. So we're gonna see the Imperial Guards, the First Order version of the Imperial Guards in this. Hmm. Um, Who are they guarding? Snoke. We don't know, but that's a good guess. Um, they have a strange visor on them with Under Armour and cuffed sleeves and armor under the robes. Um, we're also gonna see the new, a new version of the Imperial Gunners, and. Uh, there's a particular stormtrooper in the film who has the nickname the Executioner, and this is not a necessarily a kind of stormtrooper, but a particular individual stormtrooper with his own thing going on, hmm. um, like Captain Phasma kind of thing. Uh, not that severe, but like maybe this is the kind of maybe if he actually has say an Executioner role or something, this is like this a special ops kind of dude. There's not many of them. You're not going to see a, a troop of them in any one place. Is he the one that's played by um, uh, the Mad Max guy? Um, Tom Hardy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I think so. Tom, I think Tom Hardy's role, wasn't that one specific to like recognizing Finn? Yeah, he was supposedly? like sl- slapping him on the butt, right? Something like that. That's what you guys said. Yeah. We say all kinds of things. I don't remember. <laughs> but th- this guy, he has a weird bladed battalion weapon. It's like imagine the baton from the prior film, but instead of that like forked lightsaber battling thing, it's like the inside of a blender, like the blades in a blender hmm. with blades in a blender on top of them, hmm. like spinning th- tri-blade thing. Um, and he has a matte black line that goes ha- over half of his mask on one side. And uh, they've they've drawn up a very uh, basic sketch on making Star Wars, which we'll link to. This is not an official art thing. This is basic. This is basically here's what I saw. Let me draw draw you what I saw to try to help explain yeah, it, this better. It, it, it didn't really do much for me, sadly. Like I hope it's cooler looking in the movie. Yeah, because I saw this and I was like, this looks like a fan thing. This looks ridiculous, but uh, maybe I, it's an upgrade for the traitor. <laughs> it could be. What was um, his designation again? Tr. Uh, no, no, that was the fan designation. But his real designation was nines. It, yeah, because it was FN something something, and then two nines. I think. Yeah. Um, and there's a rumor that Finn's going to fight the executioner parallel to his battle in the Force Awakens, but this time he'll have to do it alone with no Han Solo to save him. Hmm. Um, that might FN, be FN two one eight seven has to do it. Has yeah. a fight. Cool. Yeah. Um. And one last piece. According to Making Star Wars, Kylo Ren has a slight costume change in this film. Oh. He's wearing uh, a Darth Vader cape in Episode Eight. Sans the chain clasp. Uh, it's unclear if it's actually meant to be Vader's cape, but if it is the same exact cut and style of ca- of the cape. Mm. Is he gonna be like? I mean, he got his ass wrecked by Ray. <laughs> I mean, like truly, like he's gonna have he's to gonna... wear that mask to cover that big ugly scar. Yeah, no shit. I'm, I mean, like his shot, he got shot by a, you know, a, a bowcaster. Bowcaster. Yeah. I mean, he he went through some shit, and so if he shows up at the beginning of seven or something like that, that's not gonna make it. They, they, she didn't look for him for Luke very long. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. That seems to be a general complaint that people seem to have about the idea that the movie takes place so quick after yeah is if like 
I mean, they spent a long time looking for, for you know, supposedly looking for Luke, and then it's just like, well, let's, that plot element wasn't too... Well, they found like, the map. What more do you want? Like, they found the missing piece, the piece they were looking for. Who? I mean, the, the good guys did. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if, if the bad guys are going to start inter, inter, intervening... Right, if they like, show up, like you know, in the middle of her training or Which something. Which is what like I'm, I'm thinking is going to happen because yeah. otherwise it's not interesting. Sure. Yeah. Well, they must have planted a tracking beacon aboard the Falcon. The Falcon. Yeah, it's not the first time <laughs> they've done oh, that. In That's the deleted scene? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be every single trilogy then because they did the same thing in Attack the Clones. So we went through the... Tra- I mean, it's just... It's too easy. I hope they don't do that. All too easy. Moving over to books, comics, and otherwise. Um, Matt, you, you called it. You, uh, there was a, a mysterious Star Wars ongoing series announced in the wake of Darth Vader being canceled, and I'm, un- I'm unhappy to say, and you're unhappy to say, too, you were right. Mm-hmm. Tell your sister <sighs> you were right. <laughs> There's Dr. Aphra, the, uh, the character created in the Darth Vader comic, is getting her own series, um, which will also feature the droids and Wookiee Bounty Hunter, all of which were cooler than Dr. Aphra. Um, yeah. I mean that's nice, I guess. Yeah. Uh they a- according to starwars.com, she was a standout character. She was a breakout character. Everybody loved her, but I don't know a single person for whom that's true. Seriously, I I need to find I need to meet somebody who feels this way about those characters because I just don't understand. I you know, they're not terrible. I just I couldn't believe how much after her introduction she continued to to be in that series. Yeah, I kept waiting for it to be useful. Because yeah. like, we t- we already talked about this, like the idea is that they keep throwing her at characters with plot armor on, so therefore she has to lose. Therefore, mm-hmm. I don't feel threatened by her. I don't know. I just don't. Well, here, here's the thing I've got. Um, I have a theory. We've mentioned in a lot of cases how it's possible the reason the Star Wars comics that aren't the miniseries feel stale is that they're constantly mm. under editorial pressure to not do too much cool stuff because awesome ideas ultimately get cannibalized and scouted for the movies and so on. Right. For example, the introdu- introduction of Sana Staros, a.k.a. Sana Solo, if she is in the Han Solo film, she hasn't done much in the Star Wars series. She's still a, a background character, but she really hasn't done much after this huge reveal that got a ton of press. Is it because they said, oh shit, we want to use her in the movie, and now they can't do anything with her? Mm-hmm. Um it's possible that the Darth Vader series, which wasn't ongoing for the longest time, ultimately couldn't accomplish much because they couldn't. They found themselves unable to do things with Darth Vader that they wanted to. They had some great Vader moments in it, but like in in the handful of issues that Brian Wood wrote as the Star Wars series that existed just prior to Dark Horse losing the publishing rights to Marvel, it had more cool standalone Darth Vader stuff in it than not. I mean, this Darth Vader series had more issues, but just it it proved that there could you could do a, a book that's just Darth Vader doing awesome stuff. Well, it's because mm-hmm. he had more creative in in what you're in your line of thinking is because yes. he had more creative freedom to be able to do it because everything was already established and there wasn't anything that was happening with that character that would strip away what exactly. they were doing. Yeah. I know Kieran Gillen is a great writer, yeah. but this Darth Vader book, while it has great moments and it's cool and it's a fun read, is weak by comparison to his other work. Um, and I think that they're doing a Dr. Afro comic because they, uh, to allow them to tell fun stories in the Star Wars universe unaffected by major characters who they're not actually allowed to explore in any kind of meaningful way. And I think we're probably going to see a lot more right, of that. Cap. 
And if so, maybe we'll start to like Dr. Afra. Maybe once Darth Vader isn't around to like muck with her story, there'll be something to her. But yeah, uh, I can see that because I mean, you're right. You can see that the like there's good writing in it and there's cool moments. And I don't think like I certainly don't think the Darth Vader series is garbage by any means. But like, yeah, it was it was just stale and huh, you know. And um, but for now, I uh, still am disappointed that it's Afra. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but hey, let's talk about Ahsoka. We actually have a short review for Ahsoka written on the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group that we run by Stephen Peckham. A quick plug for our Facebook groups. We, we're, of course, State of the Empire is on Facebook as a page you can like. But if you like to go behind the blast doors, you should definitely seek out the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group. That's where all the dirty discussions happen. Um, and this is where Stephen Peckham posted this review. In a word, this book was stunning. The audiobook was read by Ashley Eckstein, and she did a phenomenal job. A few main points I'd like to bring up that made me really love this book. A very interesting take on how kyber crystals work for Jedi and Sith. It's so much more than just finding a crystal of a particular color, and I love that. It all but proves for me that Ilium becomes Starkiller base. Maybe that's stoking my ego a bit there, but I don't care. Been saying that since The Force Awakens came out, and it feels like a good, uh, it feels good to nail it. And then seeing Ahsoka's transition from the person we see leaving the Jedi towards becoming Fulcrum was really fun to see, and I hope that we get more of her as time goes on. However, um, Matt, I believe you have a different opinion of the book. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad book, and, and it's certainly well-written, and I think Ahsoka's done well, but they, the macro story, it, it's almost like they didn't know when they wanted it to take place because there's not there's some very vague references to how long after and every ship that she encounters there's no like oh then a tie fighter showed up or then a imperial star destroyer showed up or a carillion freighter it was always very vague terms with no descriptions of what any of the ships looked like the walkers weren't ATATs; they were just imperial walkers and you know the stormtroopers had begun to phase out the clone troopers and like they weren't too certain how long, and apparently now, as it turns out, it only took place according to, you know, the the sort of timeline for for the canon is that it it's a year after Revenge of the Sith, but yet there's full fledged Inquisitors. There's, um, I mean, the Imperial presence is enough that they have conscripted soldiers as you know, like trained stormtroopers, which I guess a year is fine for that. But like, they really made it seem like the Empire was established. And that the sort of horrors that everybody had, you know, like, it was already something that everyone's like, oh, this is a bad idea. But meanwhile, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, everybody was clapping that the Empire was here. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, there was a very strange, like, sudden turnaround that this book does not do a good job showing. The lightsaber crystal stuff is really cool. Like, the whole idea that, like, it's not the color is, is sort of, it, it tunes yourself, you know, it, I guess, tunes to the user into its blue and green and purple variants. And that if it was a, you know, a, a, a dark side user, it bleeds red and things like that. And, um, but yeah, there's something really off with the continuity in this book. Which is such a shame because Rebels does it so well. Yeah. And, and presumably Dave Filoni had a strong hand in helping this book along because it it comes from plot elements repurposed from what was supposed to be the final season of Clone Wars. 
Um, and yet, apparently, I mean, like that does that does sound like genuine continuity problems that do, doesn't yeah, it, show the shift. It's just I. So now they're leading me to believe Rebels takes place five years before New Hope, and this takes place a year after Revenge of the Sith, and there's like 18 years in between episodes three and four. So now you're telling me that like Ahsoka was has been doing her thing now with Bail Organa for what 12 years before meeting the uh, uh, the cast of Rebels. So like I mean she's been like a thorn and like basically the rebellion apparently doesn't really have a formal structure for 12 years and then suddenly is now ramping up to what we see in in Rogue One. Like, it's, it's just, I, I don't know, there's something very off about it to me. Uh, also, it does something interesting in that it, it drops in on Obi-Wan near the end for an interlude chapter. Yeah, there's some strange, I mean, taking, you know, just kind of like the, the Aftermath books, there's some very random, like, uh, interludes that don't end up playing into the larger plot, but are just kind of giving you an idea of what's going, else, going on elsewhere in the galaxy, or in Ahsoka's case, flashbacks to what happened during and just after Order 66. And there is one that is just Obi-Wan communing and reflecting on uh, on his duties on Tatooine and basically communing with Qui-Gon. So it's nice to see that going on. I hope it's a hint of what's to come. Yeah, but, uh, and I guess we'll get into that would, would behind be, the blast doors. Would it be okay? Yeah. It Would it be okay in your mind if it wasn't a year after Revenge of the Sith. Because, like, where did you get that information that it was a year after the Revenge of the Sith? Is it in the book, specifically? Um, there's some vague vague mentions of it being about a year, but that information has just come from online sources. I mean, official sources, but, you know, it's... Gotcha. But it could it could potentially, they so could be it, like... If, if they change their tune, yeah. they could easily make this... Fixable? Happen at a more acceptable like time. Five period years later, or and something. fix it. I, I believe so. Yeah, nothing. Nothing in that book screamed to me a, a definitive time period. I don't know. They just the empire in that. I mean, it just seems visually, too like they they got their new logo, they got their new uniforms, they got their new this way after. And also, yeah, and also that the ge- huge generally the galaxy hates them and finds them oppressive. Like right. I don't know, like. You're, you're right. That would not have happened immediately. Not when they were like. You have to learn that it's a bad thing, right? Because they, they were the republic. Like the empire is the republic. Like the 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 thought and the uh, what people would think about the republic would not shift. In yeah, a for year. the first year, it'd be like we're we're united. We're yeah. a united empire. Yeah, exactly. We yep. beat we beat the separatists. Look what you did. Yeah, yeah. And then, ooh, no, oh yeah. no, oh, and it, geez, yeah, oh yeah. Enslave that planet, though. Ooh. Yeah. Uh. Don't do oh, it no, again. No, okay. or we're yeah, gonna we're, protest. Yeah, we're yeah. okay. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, you know, they got. You know, Palpatine's got. You know, our maybe, best. Maybe uh, they, yeah. Maybe they were. You know, all uh, separatists trying to restart the separatist movement. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. They, well. Well, I do, I knew people. They just on killed that, that whole group of Gungans. Over there. Well, <laughs> well. But now, Matt, can you explain the the crystal thing? Because I, I didn't read the novel, but I. I got to be honest. It sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Well, but, but Doug, you you were with me when Dave Filoni first explained this publicly at uh, at Star Wars Celebration in in uh, Anaheim. Yeah, but I don't. It wasn't officially canon, really. Like it wasn't it came, written down. It came out of his mouth. But I don't. But I was hoping that somehow because I don't. 
explain to me how this isn't just mood ring bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my I mean, my issue with it, Doug, is kind of similar in that regard. What bothers me is so they were very definitive on the way a red lightsaber crystal works. If you want to see Pablo Hidalgo spend hundreds of text or I'm sorry, tweets like trying to explain it to people as if it's something that like needs to be understood. Like, I don't know why he that, wasn't. Yeah. Just, that, like, that's my, that, that sets my uh, klaxon alert off because I don't, the, you know, like the, why the, is the it red that everybody lights, has the to red have a red lightsaber thing? Yeah. Yeah. The red lightsaber thing was very, you know, particular that like, a dark sider because they've been corrupted essentially bleeds the like the crystal red. Um, but that goes against that goes against like what they're talking about in Rebels, like what the Bendu is talking dude, about. I was just gonna bring and, that and up. And he was talking about how like it's 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 not necessarily about you know these dark sider. What do you call the the two different aspects of, yeah, dude, of the force? Uh, Bendu, and, was, well, Bendu was all like, oh. Jedi and Sith, you 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 poor little fools. Yeah, like you, like you don't know what you're talking about. You're, like the Force is so much bigger. Yeah, but than, you're also you're also making the assumption that what Bendu is telling you is how it is. Like, remember, that's also his opinion. Now that that was that was something that came up in the old expanded no, universe. But, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, there were characters that came around that had a lot of agency that came around and said, you know, oh, by the way, this whole thing, like, yeah, you can use Force lightning. And it, if you do it for a good reason, you're still light side. Like, just chill out on the whole dark side, light side thing. And then, as it turned out, well, they were also being very manipulative in what they were saying for their own purposes. Right, but, but, but go ahead. I'm, not, I'm basically saying I don't know if I fully trust Bendu yet as a character. I mean, we'll see. I like him. He's uh, cool. Just but because, I don't know if... But just because he says it doesn't mean, you know, it's canon. But... He's bringing up something that that fans have been saying forever. It's like, dude, the the force is a living thing. It's not your good force, your bad force. It's not duality. It's yeah. it's it's life. Like you can have you can have that grayscale. Look at characters like Dar- uh, Revan. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's something that transcends no, I, just Sith. I, There's not just Sith and Jedi. And yeah, and by making it so that all Sith have the red lightsaber. Yeah, because well, these see, crystals say not... you're a bad guy. That means you're red. Yeah, the crystals have a morality compass built into them. Right. Like what the fuck? And who says red is a bad color? Right. Hey, 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 hey. Look, I, 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 I agree with you. I'm just saying what's you know been coming up so far, and what bothers me most about that is establishing something as canon that I guarantee you, some young filmmaker is going to come in and he's going to be the new hot shit, and he's going to write a script. and He's like, you know what? My dark sider uses an orange lightsaber because nobody's done that, and that's cool. And they're all gonna and, and the story group's gonna go, oh, you can't do orange because we said that dark siders bleed it red. And he's gonna, you know what? Fuck you. I'm putting, I'm making it orange because this is a movie, and I'm the director and I'm the writer, et cetera, et cetera. And they're gonna have to rewrite the 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 canon. Yeah, but yeah. that's that goes against everything they were saying with this new story group. We're like, from here on out, we're gonna keep everything yeah. in line. And it's like, dude, already I'm seeing. Pl-. So anyway, I, we got off topic, but please. So just briefly, can you summarize what the colors mean now in this uh, color wheel? And, and, of, and this of, all uh, does this all does <laughs> tie into and why if the Death Star is powered by kyber crystals, why is the laser green? Yeah, the, and the, the this, wow. it, can you explain this equivalent of a, of a BuzzFeed quiz on your Facebook wall of what <laughs> saber you should have? I honestly, it would probably be better. Uh, to link on the the page what Paolo's explanation was, and I I, I will I will send yeah. that information. How many colors are is, are possible? Is it is it the entire visual color spectrum, or is it only like four base colors? Well, five because Soka's using white lightsabers. Yeah, do they explain mm-hmm. that? Yeah. 
Uh, Filoni did, and he said that's because she's um, in in a in a place of of balance. She yeah, she's neither Sith oh, nor Jedi. She she, she is like the Bendu, garbage. like she is like the Bendu in yeah. that she is. Well, you can't. You're either if you're good or you're bad. You can't be a mix. That doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> get the hell out of here. Well, you know, orange is avarice, and uh, green is will, and <laughs> but blue is hope. You know? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we, we will we will link to that on this episode's page. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see a distillation of that series of tweets. Uh, it's it's a lot to go through. Um, so, but pertaining to Obi Wan having this cutaway scene in the Ahsoka novel, uh, it's one of many weird seeds where we've been talking about how people want this Obi Wan film or films to exist. Meanwhile, we see in the Star Wars comics all these cutaways basically affirming that these are the stories being told during his time on Tatooine. There's no room for him to have ever had any kind of adventure off-world. Um, but but the rumors keep coming, as does like the, the continual seed of interaction with Obi-Wan mm. uh, and stuff that we're going to... like. Maybe this is going to come in an unexpected place, and we'll be talking about this behind the blast doors um, a little bit. But uh, suffice it to say that Ewan McGregor is uh, Ewan McGregor might not be done with Star Wars because in an interview with uh, Bang Showbiz, Dave Filoni said he's hoping to convince him to be uh, Obi Wan on uh, on Rebels, and um, he he said he said this Ewan is absolutely someone on our radar. We would love to have him be a part of the show for sure. We're interested in anybody really that performed in the films. It's always great to have that direct tie-in to have people that have portrayed the character before. I do have a unique situation with Obi-Wan as James Arnold Taylor was my Obi-Wan in Clone Wars for a long time, so I used him early on in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, that was meant as a nod to people who had watched the anima- that animated series. Um, and then um, it recently, Ewan McGregor once again drudged up his own interest in Obi-Wan films. Very recently, he said in an interview with French Premiere, I've always thought that there was a story to tell between my last one and Alec Guinness's first one. Mm. Uh, it would be fun- a fun film... Uh, to do now that I'm older. I'd be the right age. I'm 45. Alec Guinness was, what, 60? Mm-hmm. I could do two of them. I don't know how long he's in the desert there, but it's got to be 20 or 30 years. Oh, oh, poor naive Ewan. That does make a sense, doesn't it? But unfortunately, mm-hmm. those two sons double-aged, Japal. It was only 15 more, years. more bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I, ain't, I ain't acknowledging that. Yes, yeah, double-aged. Yeah. Come on, Doug. Get behind it. Yeah. It's but, real. <laughs> but in April, he did he did say uh, to Collider that Lucasfilm had never approached him about it, at least to that point. Um, so let's jump to Rebels. What we can say, one, it's been great. Two, you should totally watch it. And three, we're going to be talking about it more after the Blast Doors. Um, but in that episode we, we mentioned earlier on where they had Wedge Antilles in the show, which is really cool, they also had uh, Derek Hobby Kilvian, who, if you remember the name Hobby, he's one of the like primo screen time fighter folks in <laughs> X-wing fighters, fighters in, yeah. yeah yeah it's battle of hoth right yeah yeah, yeah. now um here's the also thing. a major character in the x-wing uh, novel series that's what i meant yeah there you go here's the thing uh he he his appearance also points to some further continuity problems that are starting to crop up here there's the the as for for people who are like us like really Keeping scrutinizing score. these details they there are an increasing amount of problems happening in the expanded universe. Hobby was known to have been a classmate of Biggs, Darklighter, and have been part of a squad of cadets that defected to the Empire aboard the ship, the Rand Ecliptic, 
which, okay, expanded universe, that doesn't matter. Um, however, one, it was referenced in part in the deleted scene with Biggs from A New Hope, so maybe that counts, maybe it doesn't. It was but deleted, t- I would assume not. But, but two, here's the most important thing. We've been talking uh, ever since Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim about the, uh, the ultimate Star Wars um, book, it's called Ultimate Star Wars, and it was allegedly like, hey, you want to know what's canon and what isn't now that all the uh, expanded right. universe has been done away with? Well, here it is. This is canon. And that expanded universe backstory for Hobby was in there in full. It mentioned his defection um, and uh, as, as, as it was originally portrayed, and now we've seen his defection, and it's not even remotely that, hmm. which is fine, and it's totally, it totally matters to practically no one. Um, but it is it is a sign it that, matters to that like me. when when they say something is canon, it is canon until proven otherwise. Right. Because it's canon from a certain point of view, right? The ultimate Star Wars was canon until it was counter- counteracted. It as a tertiary reference material, right. is no longer foolproof, right? And I I yes. think I think the thing with Rebels is uh, it's a I think it's a great show. They're killing it with Thrawn. He's amazing, um, but. What I'm having taking a little bit of issue with is that, man, they're sneaking into places and putting on costumes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hallways. Yeah, yeah man. It's yeah. just like, God, can we just do something else? Like, all right, Sabine, it's your turn to put on the costume I, 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 and know, get on in there. I feel All you. right, Ezra, it's time to put on the costume and get on Break in there. Break him out of a jail cell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, oh, you get you get to be a scout trooper this time, Ezra. Yeah. Yay! Oh, you get to be a fighter, TIE fighter pilot I'm, this time, I'm, I'm with you on this, but I, I give him, I only give him benefit of the doubt because I'm assuming this is a budgetary restraint. Like and they, they got really, more know. money. I mean, that, that show is so fucking popular. Yeah, There's but they no have way. to crank them out. They have to crank them out real fast. Sure. And they have limited models they could probably use. It's like, we can't make, all right, well, do we use hallway A, B, or C? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we, I'd like to design a new one and have something. You know, we can't afford that. This has to take time. We have to go through a concept process and get yeah. it approved. I mean, I'm okay with like them reusing locations. It's just like the stories that are being told within those locations Mm -hmm. are very, very similar. Well, they are also kind of being assigned these missions. You know, that's what they do as well. Maybe, maybe they are masters of disguise. Mm. Mm. Okay, (laughs) but no, no, I, I, I I do hear you, and I think it's a good, it's a valid criticism. It's you know, it starts to blend together. It's 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 extremely valid. Like it's it, yeah. Yeah, no, that, maybe it, maybe it maybe Thrawn is like you guys are so predictable. No wonder I caught you. You know, like <laughs> it just all plays directly into it. I do love like the one things that are that are, are really that I'm loving about this with Thrawn is that there's always, even though he's not necessarily present in terms of on screen, he al- always has a presence in Rebels. In that they're always talking about like this blue this this ship blew up. We lost these A wings. We this we that. You know, there's 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 obvious, um, like when they were on, uh, when they were with the the Twi'leks, and they were talking about how suddenly um, they started to this inept general suddenly was able to like you know mount an offensive against the the rebellion, and obviously Thrawn was in that episode, but there's elements of that in throughout the entire series with with him, so he's got his fingers in all of the different mm-hmm. pies, and it's really, I'm really digging it. Like the Thrawn, the Thrawn stuff is—he's an amazing. They're really given doing him justice. Like it's awesome. Are you guys ready for Willow Watch? Always. 
Willow. Like I said, there's a lot of Willow. There's a lot of Willow stuff that's, that's happened recently. We have a system here in Willow Watch, which is that Doug Doug gives an animal rating system based mm -hmm. on the, the transformative properties and how you get from muskrat to uh, to old human woman. Yeah. And <laughs> what are we currently at? What's the level? Well, it's been up and down. I mean, when we talked to Bob, you know, that brought things up a little bit. Talked to uh, Bob Dolman, the, yeah. the screenwriter. Screenwriter, for yep. And uh, uh, there was uh, uncovered uh, some hints that uh, people might be interested in doing a sequel. So right. up and down, up. It's been up and down, but you know, and and usually in small chunks. But now you're telling me you're about to drop some, yeah, some the, the, fresh news here it, that it, might. Uh, if you've been watching some stuff online, you might know that the Ebor sick in the room right now is that Ron Howard mentioned a Willow television series. Yeah. Oh. Um, expressed interest in that so I, I would say the default for the for a while we were hovering around possum slash muskrat yeah he he missed he misidentified her as a muskrat she was actually a possum but so we're hovering around that level i would say but honestly now, she she was she was not even she was not either a muskrat or a possum she was right. some kind of other is that well, no no is that before no, or after rock clip rock dove uh, Rock Dove is that's rock dove, rock dove is before the possum oh rock and it is possum because there's an opossum and then there's possum the kind yeah. in the film is a possum. I see. Yes. Don't Fine question mistake. me about marsupials, man. You want, to, <laughs> you, you want to talk marsupial law? I'll go marsupial law. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, here, here's what happened. Ron Howard has been, in his recent press cycles, asked about Willow a lot, which is very encouraging. Kudos to all journalists who asked him Willow questions. Keep it up. He's clearly noticing, and he's been mentioning his fondness for the film, how he would like to revisit it, and, of course, reminding people that, because um, many people don't realize that Willow along with the other Lucasfilm properties, are in fact owned by Disney. So there is an opportunity for something to happen with that if they mm -hmm. decide there's profit to be made. So um, certainly we believe here on Willow Watch that something will happen with Willow in the future. It could be a comic book, it could outright be a film, and it certainly could be a television series because as we talked about at length earlier, there, have, there was a Willow television series in development once upon a time, an animated series made by the same studio who did Droids and Ewoks. A bunch of production art for that leaked online not too very long ago. Um, and in this case, Ron Howard has been talking about, well, maybe there could be something someday. Um, but what happened was uh, the Nerdist has a uh, woman named Clark Wolf who has has been doing doing good goddamn work talking about Willow as much as she can uh, all the way up to finally getting to interview Ron Howard and asking him about Willow. Um, did she even talk to like Bryce Dallas Howard as she well? She did. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like your dad made the coolest movie. It's like, wow. Okay, it's like <laughs> you're supposed to talk about the movie she's doing, but instead you have to talk about Willow. I think and, we need her on Team Willow Watch. Yeah, congratulations. You're doing good work. Um, <laughs> so um, Ron Howard said in this interview with her, which we'll link to, I'll, I'll, I'm always rooting for it to become a TV TV series or something. I know I'd like to watch a Willow television show. Now, what's interesting about that is, one, he's never mentioned a TV series before, but he said, I'm always rooting for it to become something like a TV series. Mm -hmm. And this was in relation to mentioning how great Warwick Davis is, mm -hmm. who, of course, has gotten kind of a... Uh, his most recent part of his career has been as a television actor. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you could... Like, with Game of Thrones being popular as all get out, you could do a will you know a fantasy television series that's not an absurd premise anymore granted there's a lot less um sex in willow but hey you could sex it up why not oh god <laughs> so like no <Nelwyn>. and <laughs> brownies oh god well the brownies full, that was full that's frontal what, on the brownies oh man <laughs> well yeah no the brownies would just be nude just yeah, all the time yeah oh always no, and, the fairies are already nude yeah that's true yeah oh <laughs> 
that was that was that scene with Val Kilmer with with Mad Morgan <laughs> and like that would have gone way further yeah, um, yeah. in that in that house before the husband showed up. Like yeah. that would have gone way further yeah. if it was an HBO series. <gasps> what a breed! <laughs> and then they would have. <laughs> so um, while that, revealing plot details, the, that's right. That all characters should know anyway. The yep. sex position. The act of Ron Howard mentioning that was pretty significant because I feel. I feel that that was him testing the waters, mm-hmm. actively testing the waters to see what the reaction would be if he proposed something a little bit more intense than, oh, yeah, I'd like to do, I could see doing follow-up someday. That would be cool. But there's another piece of information floating around, one that's been shared with us uh, many times by a number of different people who are, you know, fans of Willow Watch, and that is, there's, there's an article on a website called Comic Books Galaxy, which has, which is called, Three Main Characters and Actors Rumored to Return in Willow 2. Quote, it's a sequel, end quote, Ron Howard, as though he said it, exclamation mark. And they mentioned his AMA, which we talked about, that happened around the time of his uh, Moby Dick film. Um, and they said this, in his recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter and Latino Reviews, Ron updated that he is working on a script, plus he is planning to bring back the original actors for the sequel. It was emphasized that it's going to be Willow 2 and not some reboot or remake. This is a continuation of the original movie. Here are the names of the actors and characters who are rumored to make a comeback in the, for the sequel, where they then proceeded to simply list uh, Val Kilmer's Mad Mardigan, Warwick Davis as Willow, and Joanne Wally as Sorsha. They just that uh, yeah. click, click through three pages, make sure you get all the clicks. I, definitely 100% a clickbait article. They did not link to any such interviews, whatever, and whatsoever for Hollywood Reporter or Latino Review with Ron Howard saying that he was working on a script, et cetera, et cetera. And I couldn't find them when I searched for them. This could be a 100% bullshit article. Oh, they just took them down, man. Um, they didn't want to leak. If, if you know that these, that these interviews actually exist, please link them to us. Um, but I can't <laughs> find any proof of it. However, regardless of whether this is like just rotten clickbait journalism or not, uh, it is drumming up interest in Willow, and certainly everybody's excited to see that this is a thing, even if it's not really a thing. So much the same as Ron Howard being like, hey, I could do Willow on television. It's the, okay, sure. Yes, you could. And God damn it, I'd watch it. I'd, I'd give you money for it. What do you need, Ron? I'll do it. <laughs> they, they crowdfund Willow, too. <laughs> Let's make it happen. So, okay, that's that's the Willow news. So where are we on the scale here? Where are we on the Willow watch right uh, now? It's tricky with the last one being like it could be true or it could all be BS. But I mean, but Ron Howard, I mean, that, that's got a ticket But did up. he really say it? At least him talking. Well, here's no, the thing. I'm saying I'm, the I'm, interview yeah, him about talking the TV, about the TV yeah. series. I'm just going to go based he's, on that. He's talking about Willow. Right, yeah. Him talking about Willow, saying he wants to see it as something new, possibly a TV series. Uh, if we were at Possum before, I'd bring that up to GOAT. We could be goat level. I think we skip Let, the let's, raven. We let's go to sustain goat. goat. Yeah, I think we're gonna sustain goat until it until it really cools off. Yeah, we're, we're gonna assume that there is there is legitimate hype building. Yeah. We got to hold yeah, on yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah. So we're skipping raven. Yeah, because I, I'm you know I didn't I didn't want to go up uh, to, to uh, ostrich level or anything like that because what about llama go- level. I don't think there was a llama. I think because it, it was a half between. It was between the goat and ostrich, so it looked like a llama because it had a long uh, neck at right, first. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, before you get to ostrich, I would say I'd say goat level. Maybe we're going to be halfway, maybe half llama to, to ostrich. <laughs> if that article about him saying a sequel film was true, but since it, it's it, not it, true, it, we're it, not he's sure. He's writing a script, which is crazy because Bob Dolman doesn't know anything about that. I asked him about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll wait. And, we'll wait and see. Either way, I'm thinking solid goat. And we'll see what the next uh, next Willow Watch <laughs> this brings. This is solid goat. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah. Um, 
So with Willow Watch, we, we've had an all Willow Watch episode in the past where we interviewed Bob Dolman, the screenwriter for Willow. We're going to have another one soon. We, we've mentioned that we're talking to Alan Varney, the, uh, the guy who wrote the Willow source book. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done that yet, but it's actually it's scheduled now. It's going to happen. Wow. Look forward to another That's awesome. uh, all Willow, Willow Watch, Watch yeah. episode. And then uh, once, once I manage to get through the trilogy of Willow novels that are super dense, uh, we're probably going to talk to Chris Claremont. If he's still alive by the time I finish these damn books, <laughs> um, <laughs> I got a lot to read, man. It's it's tough, but I put out a line to uh, to Clark Wolf's booking agent, and if you uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're active on Twitter, you should totally tweet at her that she should be on Willow Watch. Don't be a pest. Just keep keep pushing it. We we want We would love to talk with Clark Wolf. Clearly, she's she's an ally in our crusade for more Willow, like a high functioning ally. She got Ron Howard to t- say you want to do a Willow TV series. That's something. God damn it! We should join forces. That's what this is all about. This is this is about this is about the the castle of Tears Lean and the joining of Willow's motley crew and and all the the, the armies mm. of Galadorn. What's left of them coming together to storm the gates of Nokmar. That's yeah. what that's what we need to do right now. She's mm-hmm. the Mad Mar. She's the Mad Marican. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're really the Willow. We're I mean Willow Watch is the Willow. <laughs> I mean like you know yeah we're, we're Willow and the brownies here. Right? What do you, yeah, what do you want? Exactly. I mean you know the the sm- but she's the one with the you know the sword and the recognition. But hey, but we do have Bob Dolman as Finn Rizel. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. So speaking of Bob, um, I had a conversation with him recently because something you might have missed in the world of willow news this is great this is one of the longest willow watches we've had in ages um there's a there's there's a place called prop store of london it's a it's a website they sell awesome movie props they recently had a massive auction from the phil Tippett archives phil Tippett being one of the masters of special effects all your favorite movies with special effects in them from the 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 70s to 90s and, and so on have all been done by Phil Tippett. Talking stuff from like RoboCop, Predator, and tons of Lucasfilm properties as well. In this auction, there were a number of Willow items, none of which we could afford. No way, yeah. no how. Yeah. Um, but in them, in these photos, they revealed some deleted early draft content. Some fascinating, weird stuff. Um, I actually had trouble loading up the page today. If I can link to the items, I will. If not, I did save everything. So I will post them to uh, the Willow Watch uh, posts on the Nerdy Show forums. Nice. Um, we have storyboards of the cart chase scene, which showed a Nakmar soldier who looked more orcish than human, mm-hmm. implying that maybe maybe at one point in the script, um, Bav Morta was employing, you know, kind of monstrosities. We saw some other concept art where the main villain was a king looking like a lizard monster type guy. True. You know, so, yeah. and, uh, and Bob told us about how he wanted to change it from like a male to a female uh, villain. Yeah. So who knows how many changes this thing went through. Yeah. Now, if you ever thought, hey, that two-headed Ebersick dragon looks a little cock-like. Oh, then all the Ebersick concept art and storyboards are full affirmation that that thing, each, not, not the shaft, the, the long wibbling shafts of their necks, but their heads specifically are a short, stubby, Donald Trump-like pair of cock and balls. Uh, <laughs> like in all of the illustrations. I'm talking storyboards. I'm talking line art. There is irrefutably um, simply how Lucas felt about Siskel and Ebert if on the page. Because Ebersick is named after Siskel and Ebert. Mm-hmm. And, and these things have fucking dickheads. <laughs> it's like the xenomorph. But like way more than the xenomorph, right, man. Right, like right, right. when you see these sketches, you'll be like, that's a dick. That's a dick, and those and those and those cheeks are balls, and when that head explodes, those cheeks swell up. Yeah. Like it's yeah. fucking hilarious. 
This, uh, it, what they were selling essentially was a big bag of dick drawings on prop, <laughs> the prop store of London. And if you've seen like the original toy of the Ebersick, it, it's got like furry tuft on the back. I'm not kidding. Like it actually has fur on its back. It's interesting. Like just look, look it up. You, you're looking at me like I'm making. I'm not making it up. I know. Look it it up. Was, so if like, you ha- hung it upside down, it would be the pubes. Yeah. If you uh-huh. hung it face down. Yeah. 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 It's, there you it's go. weird. It's Watch a weird out. thing. Um. Here's here's something that's uh more interesting. Uh. Instead of being stolen by brownies, Elora was first stolen by elves who wanted to collect her tears. Ooh. Yes, yeah, cry baby. <laughs> there's 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 a photo of what looks like it's it's like um a binder that's a bunch of script elements, but it's like a page that's an outline and it was a diagonal photo, so I've only seen half of this outline page, but I managed to make out a full paragraph which reads, The brownies and Willow and the baby are chased by the elves. They come to a chasm which is traversed by a natural bridge in the form of a fallen hollow tree. The elves refuse to continue to pick up the chase on the tree. The reason becomes clear when trolls appear at both ends. Our band does escape, however. The brownies take Willow and the baby into the forest of the fairies. Uh, they also there's you can see a few storyboards from the sequence involving an elven village as well where the brownies ride a stork not an eagle hmm. because they steal the baby with a stork ha 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 uh-huh. um, and there were also blueprints for the Nelwyn mines which is fascinating because the Nelwyn mines were were mentioned in the Willow source book and the novelization yeah and apparently got all the way to the point that they were thinking about building some props but to my knowledge it never happened. So I did ask Bob Dolman about it. He said, once the Nelwyn village was populated by farmers and miners. And there's an allusion to this when Burglecut makes fun of Willow for being a farmer. But this wasn't a conflict we had room for and wasn't necessary. And I actually hadn't read the text on the images by the time I talked with him. So I wasn't able to ask him about the tears. I will ask him about the tears, of course. Of course I'll ask him about the mm-hmm. tears. Uh, why were the elves collecting babies' tears? But I don't think he remembered the elves at all because I asked him about it, and he and he just mentioned how, like, maybe that was what we called the brownies. Because I saw the name elves at one point. I was like, was there anything about elves? And he was like, no. Nah. Well, I think maybe we called brownies elves at one point. I never liked the name brownies. I forget how I got talked into it. They may have been elves for a draft now that I think about it. But clearly there, were, there was actually something else going on. There was some other conflict happening. Thus ends Willow Watch. So, before we open the blast doors, we gotta give thanks to all the wonderful people who make State of the Empire possible, and indeed all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network. We're entirely listener-supported. We rely on you to stay alive. So, if you'd like us to stay alive, here's some ways you can help. You can go to nerdyshow.com support, where you'll find where you can give a one-time donation, how you can shop on Amazon, and all your purchases can go help the entire network stay alive with no additional cost to you or you can subscribe to us on patreon where we have a ton of bonus features including bonus features from state of the empire to share with you and uh, a lot of other of other like tiers where you get more exciting things happening but uh patreon is the best way to continue support of uh of all of our shows on the nerdy show network and state of the empire is is indeed kept alive directly by that you can also make sure that the word gets out. Tell people about State of the Empire. Many folks tell us that we're their favorite Star Wars podcast, and yet uh, we're still relative unknowns in this galaxy. So uh, help us by telling a friend or going on iTunes and rating and reviewing the show. We presently, as of this recording, have 25 ratings. We could certainly use more. In fact, we've heard that it's really around 250 that you start to gain real traction. So <laughs> we've, got, we've got a ways to go. But even if you don't have time to write a full review, 
uh, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be complicated, you can just give us a five-star rating, and that would be great. You should just give them a sentence that they should write. Just say, um, I like this. Yeah. Th- my favorite Star Wars podcast. Willow Watch is great. I wish there was more Willow. Mm-hmm. These, all these are applicable reviews. Five stars. And the simple act of you writing those sentences, expressing how much you love Willow, well, that, uh, that does us a world of good. So please do that. And Just uh, yub yub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm just trying to shorten it. Make it even easier for yub, you. Yub yub, yeah. Praise Teak. Constable Zuvio was Will a false for- flag operation. <laughs> Forever living on in our hearts. Yeah. So, so just, you know, just uh, give us a review on iTunes. Why not? What do you have to lose? Nothing. It's a boot. It's a reboot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, thanks, Mike Eisner. All right. So we're ready. We're going to open the blast doors. Are you ready for us to open the blast doors? We're going to open the blast doors. And uh, hey, if, after you've seen Rogue One and uh, after the season of a Star Wars Rebels is, uh, is over, come, then, uh, back. Come, come on back. Come on back and see what you missed. Here we go. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. All right. There's, there's one Rogue One thing worth mentioning here behind the blast doors, and it's something they showed in the trailer, but it's only when you consider the context of it that it turns into what is, quite frankly, one hell of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think we all came to this realization via the same um, video. Media, yeah. Uh, an editor named uh, Darth BB-8 released something on YouTube, Rogue One, a chronological story. And see- I've been saying this since the first two. You can go back and listen to State of the Empire. I was saying it before, but go ahead. <laughs> it, Doug has been saying this particular. He, yeah, he yeah. sequenced all the scenes from all the trailers and in and the also the, the weird like behind the scenes teaser thing in the sequence he believes it occurs in. And it looks as though uh, Alderaan was not the first planet blown up. It was, in fact, Jeddah as a as a message to not fuck with the Empire. Let's annihilate this religious retreat for Jedi lovers. Let's blow it the fuck up. And you see a city exploding, and that is very likely an early super weapon test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think that the whole planet's going to get yeah, blown up. Me I really don't. Because well, the, you, you, people would have known about... I mean, yeah. like, there's well, no way that wouldn't have gotten out. Also, there's a shot from inside the Death Star. You see them zooming in on what looks like the Mesa City. Right. And I'm like, they're probably just targeting that city. And they're just going to smash that thing like the fist of an angry god and then it's gonna send out that massive shockwave that's uh you see them escape we thought it was a sandstorm in the first teaser for rogue one mm, and yeah. that's probably them trying to escape the shockwave yeah i think i think i think doug's right guys i, now, th- I think it's gonna get blown time. up i i yeah I, I i agree i'm not happy about that why is why, that why? I, I don't know it's just the 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 more impressive technical aspect of what they can show with 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 this movie kind of takes away from the sort of yeah uh, yeah and you know just yeah because you want I don't, no, I don't understand how does, it, how does it take away well because you want it you want the first time that you see this this star yeah. this, this, this like, space station like, to be holy operational shit, they just did that yeah to blow up fucking Alderaan and so well, like then, well then what better way to show them blowing up a small town. And then they're like, whoa, it actually works. And And they're like, what happens if we increase the power to 100? They're like, all right. I do think it has a practical purpose because, really, would there not have been tests? And there, of course, there would have been tests. They're not going to go all the way out to the orbit of Alderaan and not. And And then have it misfire. Ooh, ooh, it didn't work. Bummer. Yeah. Let's show them the might of the Empire. uh, Yeah, I mean, mean, Tarkin is very 
sure that he's like, let's show them the power of this space station. Like he's like very much like, like he knows sure it works already. He knows it works, which is true. But yeah, I don't he's, know. he's talking to Leia like, prepare yourself because you're gonna see some fucked up shit that yeah. we know is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I just I don't know, man. I I I kind of I kind of feel with Spill like in terms of it makes the 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 destruction of Alderaan lesser. I don't know how. I don't, I don't see that, that. That, that, is, that. That to me is the most important rule of like making a prequel is like don't, don't ruin or explain like, uh, you know, don't take away from the original. Like that's how I feel like the Han Solo one when he, when he decides not to participate in the Battle of Yavin, I should still be surprised when you hear the hoop, you know, the hooping and hollering and the Millennium Falcon shows up. Yeah. Like, I don't want to think that the Han Solo as presented in his prequel movie would be something like, oh, no, he's not going to abandon. I'm like, I, I honestly thought when I first saw it, he was totally out, you know, like and, and that's how I feel about this movie is like, I don't want to know the Death Star is capable of blowing up entire planets. Like I don't. Like, I just want to know it's a, like how how it's does a that how how does that ruin it? Because it doesn't make it a surprise. Like you, like yeah. I mean, like the destruction of Alderaan. Like we all know that it's there, but just because it's not we a surprise. It's it. not a surprise when he, he says, "I will destroy your home planet of Alderaan." He says it. It's not. This isn't a surprise. It's a shock yeah, that he actually it, does it. it. It's, it's in the it's in the opening crawl, isn't it? Yeah, the ability to destroy an entire planet. All right, fine. Point, Doug. <laughs> just get used to it, man. Don't fight me on this. I, I just, I'm just saying, like, so they're gonna blow up Jeddah, and then or just, the, just the town, and then, just the town. And, and, well, and then there's that meeting, yeah, where it's like, what, what, you know, chance do we have against something like that? And then she's like, hope. We have hope. Rebellions and hope and hope and hope. Yeah. I the rebel. Next, the, name the, the name of the next movie is A New Hope, and so I don't know. I just, I don't want it to diminish what. The original Star Wars does. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having already done it. I'm wearing you down, Spill. Wearing you no. down. I'm, I'm pretty soon you're going to be with me on the whole uh, Anakin Force Ghost. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Wow, you already got him. What do you mean that? That no, no, no. The problem is I'm not okay with it. I think Anakin Force Ghost is bad. He thinks it's all right. Mm. Oh no, I love Anakin Force yeah. Ghost. No, no, yeah, never, that's never that's our that biggest that's me. our biggest point of contention. I feel. Yeah, it's never going to change. All right, we'll see about Hayden that. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, one final thing about Rogue One is Keto Black in the uh, Star Wars spoilers Facebook group. He said he's putting money down on Sagarera dying at his Save the Dream line. Oh, totally. That's pretty specific. Save but I, the I'm dream. not. Yeah. yeah uh, the, but then the question comes in, it's like, if he's there on Jeddah, and the Death Star is wiping out that town, who's he talking to? Oh, he's on a holog. He's on like a holo- hologram. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. He could be. He's talking on a hologram. He, yeah, it's he's, like, he's, he's, he's over the radio. Yeah, you're right. No, that sells it. Like, they're not on Jeddah. They're on... They're not talking to him directly. Yeah, they're on... He's uh, talking to them via hologram. Scarif or whatever it is. Like, that. he's talking to them on that, and they find out that they're going to yeah, use they, it on they Jeddah. They see a little blue version of him on their little handheld yeah. communicator. It's like, save the rebellion, save the dream. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. And they're like, what do we do? Have we seen him outside the room? No. No, no, not yet. Yeah, we we have. Um, There's a scene with him walking through like a court, like an arced corridor. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, but that could be like in that same compound. Sure. Yes, he he could be in exclusively one environment. Yes, that is possible. Yeah. Hmm. 
But another thing I have to say, the, why would they? I mean, granted, there's the question of why would they cast Forrest Whitaker for a role that takes place during maybe like five minutes of film? Why but not? Then Yoda, also, Yoda never left the well, swamp during well, Empire. Well, but hold on, I'm about to prove a point. But then also, why would they cast Max von Sydow in, right. uh, in yeah, Force Awakens? Like, right. literally, and have like him one at the, minute the table of, read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that maybe maybe literally every other person on the planet noticed this, but I only just noticed it when I was rewatching the trailer recently. That overhead shot of the of the ship landing on Jeddah and like that weird rock outcropping, I realized was like a giant carved effigy of a Jedi, like holding a sword or a light or a, or a lightsaber. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I didn't notice that. I watched it like a billion times, and for whatever <laughs> reason, yeah, I just I never noticed it until like this last time. I'm like, I, oh, I whoa, haven't noticed. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, it's yeah. fucking rad, man. What? Okay, cool. This is this, this is like the thing that I felt most people were talking about with this with that trailer. <laughs> no, sorry, I just I, I was too busy focused on like yeah, you know the the dialogue that was over it and like the well, ship Col- itself. Colin, I can understand because you you love your B wing and there's a B wing on screen. You probably were just blocking out everything but the B. Or I'm sorry, the, the U wing. Mm-hmm. I love. I'm I lo- sorry. I love the U wing, man. It's so <laughs> it's so good. Oh, um, all it gives right. me all those rogue like those those <laughs> rogues, rogue squadron them feels oh, them rogue feels. No, it it, rogue it, feels, uh, it, it to me it's it's hitting heavy Lucas Arts uh, feels. And like you know they're they're all on it. Like I mean like that's their ship. That's their ghost. Is that U wing? And like I mean come on, oh it's gonna be so good. Mm-hmm. I want I want them to build a U wing at the Star Wars Disney yes area. Like yes. that'd be pretty sweet. Because a little ramp you could run up it. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Anyway. Episode eight, Matt, you got a theory. You have, you have, you said this is your only Snoke theory, your final and only Snoke prediction. Yeah, well, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say first Snoke theory too, because I, I've, I've chosen. You to, were withholding judgment on, yeah. yeah. yeah if, I, if, if you aren't about to say it's Ezra, you're wrong. I don't even necessarily think that it will be something that they even address necessarily in the context of the film itself. But I do think Snoke's background is he will be one of the force. Uh, sensitive children that Palpatine has had kidnapped ever since the Clone Wars. Mm. It's just too, too relevant a plot, to, like, like factoid at this point that it's been going on. Like Clone Wars cartoon, Rebels cartoon. It's mentioned in Ahsoka the the novel. It's um. Aftermath, uh, Servants of the Empire. Yes, referenced in Aftermath. It's oh, the Servants of the Empire uh, junior novel series. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's constant, and it hasn't come to any sort of like giant macro thing. And I kind of feel like this is like the new Kyber Crystal, where it's yeah. being like sewn throughout. And um, yeah, so I, I that is that is my only Snoke theory. Is you know, I don't necessarily think they're ever going to have to address it within the film, but I do think that will certainly be his background history in the canon once all is said and done. What What would be awesome is if, uh, like, in episode eight, if they explain a little bit, like, if they just say that, right? They just say, oh, he was raised up, you know, he, he was, from a young age, he was part of the Empire, and uh, he, was, he was too young to be a Sith Inquisitor, but he was on his way, but then things bad things happened. It would be pretty sweet for, like, him to make an appearance on Star Wars Rebels and like Ezra's the one who scars him or some shit, you know? Mm. Where it's just like you get that early and it's like, oh, there's a new Inquisitor. His name is Snoke or, you know, or a code name Snoke or something like well, that. Well, they're like, all they're all number and then brother or sister. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just if there's brother a way Snoke. to, you know. E- either that or... Sister Snoke. Yeah, Sister Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, uh, he's, he's the uh, death trooper that says, let's take this fight to the sky. So that's the only... <laughs> That is the only <laughs> ones that I've done that. 
So either he, that, either it's Death Trooper, take the fight to the sky, or he's Ezra. Do you think that he's gonna? Do you think? <laughs> do you think that we're gonna see uh, Snoke in eight? I hope so. Do you think we're gonna see him Physically? not on a on a on a on a hologram? Don't know. I would hope so, but I but I don't know. And if he is in physical and not in a hologram, do you think that he will be CG? He'll have to be CG because of what they did to his face and with you know. Yeah, I mean that they they Andy Circus playing him. They're not gonna have Andy Circus in makeup. They're just gonna, you know, Andy Circus doesn't wear makeup. He wears dots. You got to replace those dots. Well, with yeah, a CG but they could have. They could. He could put his voice. It, Andy if they Serkis's didn't, voice in a... if they didn't do um, him practi- with practical effects to begin with, they're not going to not do it this time. Mm. All right. It'll look better, probably. Yeah, <laughs> unless they pull like a, a Star Trek uh, Corbomite maneuver thing, where that hologram isn't actually Snoke; it's his voice. But they just ha- you can't see what Snoke really looks like. Don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, like the real guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be cool if the real guy just looked like Andy Serkis, and you're just like, oh, it's kind of an unassuming-looking evil guy. I don't know, but wishful thinking on my part. Well, it, then they wouldn't have chosen a recognizable actor to play him, right? Because I, well, I guess they had to announce it. But basically, it would be cool if, like, if all of a sudden, let's say you didn't know who Andy Serkis was, and Andy Serkis is just like playing a character in the background. It's like, oh shit, it was a Snoke the whole time. But yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's... Or or the hologram fizzles away, or and then you cut to like with the Snoke POV, and then it's like an end transmission, whatever, of Kylo Ren. And then mm-hmm. it phases out, and then you see the hologram that's over the person, and it's Mara Jade. <laughs> <laughs> just the audience, biggest fuck you to the audience. Everyone who doesn't know, no one who knows the extended universe is just like, it's like, who the hell is that? And everyone who knows the extended universe, oh my god! That's why. Well, that's why. Yeah, that's why Snoke hates uh, Skywalkers because he, he maybe she because Ray yeah, Ray Ray is lover. Luke. Ray is Luke and Mara Jade's daughter. Yeah, that's why he's like, bring her to me. Because right. you know, yeah, he wants to. You know. Yeah, man, you heard it here, and folks. And then, like Empire, <laughs> if you're one talking of our about craziest ideas, yeah. you're talking about mirroring Empire Strikes Back. That's true. Snoke says, "Ray, I'm your mother," mm. and uh, join me. We'll rule the galaxy as mother and daughter. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, they got the member berries going on seven. How, how do you say they're not going to have them in eight? Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, hey, it's, I, it's cyclical. Yeah, r- poetry. It's poetry. It rhymes in motion. Yeah, interesting. Ring theory. Look it up, <laughs> and then watch the um, the Plinkett review for episode seven. <laughs> Definitely as, watch as that. to uh, as to why the ring theory is a crock of shit. As though you didn't know already. I hope <laughs> yeah. you knew already. You're here. You're behind the blast doors. I like to think that you're an intelligent person, um, <laughs> or you made a mistake. <laughs> you skipped too far ahead on your on your MP3 player. Uh, or your Cap's phone. talking about Patreon. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen <laughs> seconds. Fifteen just, seconds. Right, blew right past the blast doors. Didn't even know you're in here. Sorry. Apologize. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Disney XD in Germany leaked a bunch of descriptions of Rebels episodes 7 through 11. Wow. And they were translated. And we have them here. And there's not a lot to them except for the last one, which is uh, some provocative tie-ins to some stuff that's been happening in this exquisite season of Rebels. Um, here, here's the descriptions, and uh, then we'll get to the uh, the intense one, which is episode 11, and uh, talk about uh, all that all that Rebel shit that, that is definitely spoilery. Episode 7, Imperial Super Commandos. After losing contact to the protectors of Concord Dawn, Sabine, Ezra, and Fen Rao investigate. They quickly discover that Imperial Mandalorians have taken over the station. There's actually a clip of that available online. You see them confronting Sabine and uh, having some words. You better believe they take that fight to the sky. 
<laughs> Episode 8, Iron Squadron. Ezra and Sabine join forces to subdue a young ace pilot and his crew who are foolishly risking their lives. This is the only way they can defend their home. Lots of fighting in the sky, pilots. I like it. The Winkathu job. The rebels join forces with ruthless pirates to salvage a freighter full of weapons the rebellion needs. However, the mission turns out way more dangerous than they expected. Mm-hmm. I bet uh, what's his face is showing up in that again. Um, ah, Spill, what's his? What's our buddy's name? Hondo. Uh, the pi- Hondo. Hondo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet, a- I bet Hondo's hey, you dead. said pirate. I had to be here. Yeah, totally, <laughs> without a doubt. Or, or Kaibo Ren. <laughs> the pirate the pirate yeah yeah the pirate from droids kaibo ren yeah he's gonna be there it's kylo he's like I, kylo I, ren but his I face wish. he's like the bond villain with his face filled with diamonds except it's kyber crystals <laughs> but they're all red though yeah, yeah they're all, because he's angry <laughs> he's, he's red because he's angry <laughs> i'm sorry i got a short temper i gotta kill a migraine yeah. it's blue when he's got the broken heart <laughs> <laughs> episode 10 an inside man Looking for information on a new Imperial weapon, Ezra and Kanan break into an Imperial factory on Lothal. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of sky fighting in that one. Not interested. Hold on. They looking for information on a new Imperial weapon. That sounds exciting, regardless of the breaking in. They did not say disguise themselves. They said break in. Oh, come on. She's totally gonna disguise herself. How who she? Ezra and Kanan. Oh, Kanan. I thought you okay, no, I misheard you. I thought I thought I heard Hera in there. However, they have to trust an enemy to escape from a building that is about to be locked down. Callus. Yeah, Callus. Totally. I, I love whatever's happening with Callus. Oh, do you think he's the new Fulcrum? I think he might be a rebel spy now. I really do. Yeah, that's, that's, really? uh, that's my, my theory is Fulcrum is either Callus uh, or it is uh, Cassian Andor. Hmm. Doug, have you seen have you seen the the Not the, the, latest. the Antilles episode? No, no, no. Okay, there's a callous moment in there that suggests that maybe maybe he's turned. Or you is know he a makes me ha- really happy about that? <laughs> is other than the fact that he's an awesome character and I would be I would love to have him on the good guy side is I called that way back before Rebels started when they announced the characters and on on this podcast and like <laughs> the first season I totally like I was like, you know what? I changed my mind. He's a bad guy, but they've like really brought it like nice and gradual, mm-hmm. and so I'm happy that's, uh, that's unless happening. they do triple agent like in Crystal Skull. <laughs> nah, was nah. buddy Mac? You thought he was his buddy? Then he's double agent. He's not a double agent. Triple agent. I sure fucking hope not. But it's possible if I mean Thrawn. Thrawn was the kind of guy who would throw a triple agent. That's in the mix. true. So maybe, um, oh, maybe Callus is like his 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 super buddy. I mean, like they're like they're good friends. Went through the academy together. Yeah, mm, maybe I don't know. Well, anyway, episode eleven: visions and voices. Get ready for it. Haunted by visions of Maul, Ezra has to journey across the galaxy. Upon arriving at his destination, he has to participate in a strange ritual to sever his connection to Maul. Now, last time we saw Darth Maul in the show, and I don't believe we discussed it on State of the Empire yet. Oh boy, some things happened in which uh, Ezra and Maul were fusing oh, shit. Yeah, two, the two the holocrons. holocrons. 
a Sith holocron, a Jedi holocron, and some visions were had by both, which Ezra didn't understand and which Maul 100% understood, where he saw Tatooine and he knows where Obi-Wan Kenobi is, so he's going to get his fucking revenge. And that's where you loop back around to our previous Ewan McGregor discussion, because I think he's already been there, he's already done that, and for some reason, Ray Park knew about it, hence us us talking about that weird Twitter conversation in last episode of State of the Empire. Yep. Yeah, man, totally. <sighs> okay, yeah, well, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I need, I need, I need some some deep breaths because first of all, that that episode is screaming mid season finale, and I have to say, just just initially, I am disappointed because it doesn't look like we're going to get any Rogue One connections to Rebels until after yeah, me the break Bummer. after the movie comes out. I don't know if that's true because I think that you're going to get your connections to Rogue One in that uh, what was that episode ten or nine where they break into the inside the man? super plan, the super weapon, do, or whatever do, it is. That's totally going to happen. Oh yeah, you think, I don't know. I just think they would have saved that for the mid-season finale, and like we don't know which one. Which one did Gary Witta help write? Like supposedly Gary Witta wrote an episode, at least one, and like that would be the one. Yep. But anyway, so getting back to Maul, like visions and voices. I mean, the only people, the only person we know, like or two, I guess, that have done any sort of visions and voices thus far in this like new canon is Qui Gon and Yoda. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, is it possible this, like, strange ritual involves Obi-Wan? Like, what is going on? Like, journey across the galaxy, I mean, you know, maybe they go to the, the spot that's, like, you know, farthest from the bright center of the universe. Oh, he's going to Tatooine. There's no doubt in my mind. He's doing it. It's happening. I mean, yeah. I mean, I when, mean yeah, yeah. He's well, going to see Luke Skywalker I mean, I think, in the distance. Like Strange Ritual, it might be one of those, you know, go, like another callback to Clone Wars. It might be a Night Sister, Night Brother type thing, like some witchcraft. Um, I don't know. It's no, it's gonna I'm be getting, Obi- it's gonna be Obi Wan, dude. They're they're gonna have a fight on the on in the in the dunes of the dune Tatooine, scene. and. You know, oh, throw Darth Maul so in, the, in that giant uh, space uh, sand vagina out in the uh, Sarlacc pit. Although the thing that about that though, that's kind of the thing that is the space vagina. The thing that's kind of <laughs> the thing that's kind of <laughs> to quote Plankett. I'm sorry. <laughs> the thing that I feel I don't know because then Obi Wan is definitely protected by plot armor because he's in you know or is uh, he? I think well, the most, I mean, the most like, important. He's in a new hope. I the mean, like, you know, part like about he could be a force ghost that whole time. The important part about this is seeing. <laughs> That's why the Tuscan Raiders are be scared of him. He's a the ghost. Final, right. What I believe will be the final battle between Maul and Obi Wan, and is seeing how how much Obi Wan's going to be tormented by Maul, and how badly. Uh, Maul's gonna get his ass kicked by Obi Wan. Like oh, that's yeah. what this is all about. It's also it's not about us finding out something new, other than like maybe like more details on how he communicates with Qui Gon or whatever. You know, if they but, had any guts, they would have Darth Maul basically beat Obi Wan. But before he delivers the killing blow, Ezra stops Darth Maul. Yeah. If if you know honestly, I would like to see Ahsoka return for this, and I would like to see this to be her end. Because I, I I want Maul to find out why Obi Wan's there. I want him to figure out that oh, yeah. the son of Skywalker is there, and I would love to see Ahsoka give her life to save Anakin's son. I still want her to die on Alderaan. Yeah, she's never gonna I, not. She's not gonna but die. That, off but that, you panel. know, her, no her dying on Alderaan only worked before this last confrontation thing. Yeah, because she'd have Good to be point. like they've they've taken her off the board. They have to reintroduce her as a Jedi agent, and that would put her on Alderaan yeah, right. before before this happened. It couldn't. But if but if 
if you're like, oh my god, Obi-Wan's gonna walk out of that hut, oh my god, Obi-Wan's gonna walk out of that hut, and then all of a sudden, Ahsoka walks out of the hut, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, like Obi-Wan I think, and I I think were it would talking. be but an interesting, like, especially, I was actually thinking about this during the Ahsoka novel, was, so Ahsoka's now been an agent against the Empire for, like, you know, 12, 13 years, right. and it's kind of like, if she were to come across Obi-Wan, it'd kind of be like, dude, what have you been doing? I've been working my ass off and you've just been sitting in this hut like a coward. And it would be pretty powerful to find out like, well, you know, actually I've been doing something like I've been watching this kid and she's like, who's that? And she can immediately knows who it is. And yeah. you know, the love that she has for her former master, I think would mean. Oh, it I would totally would transfer to Luke. To oh, it would totally transfer to Luke because that would yeah. be her. Um, you know, she's like, I know there's good in you. I, I, I see it and I feel it. And that, that Anakin is now Luke. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. goodness has transferred to her son, to his son. I think you, I think you can do quite a bit. Uh, I mean, quite a lot with that. I don't know in the context of like a half hour. I don't know. I have a feeling this episode is an hour by the way, because, because it's 11 when it would be 12, like nine or 10 episodes. But it, it's also or, like, if you're going to, if you're going to slice the season in half, it would be 12. It would be either 10 or 12. So in yeah. this case, it's 11, which hints that it's either it's, it's probably double length, or it's accounting for the double length of the season premiere. Did it have a double length season premiere? I forget. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So one or the other. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's definitely going to be. You can do a lot of really, really amazing things. And I mean, still, my ideal Ahsoka death would be the Emperor electrocuting her to death, and she's crying out. Inva- for Anakin Invader and does, does nothing. nothing. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I like want. that's that is the ideal Ahsoka death. I don't think you can top that. I mean, they should have done that to Padme in Revenge of the Sith. Like, George yeah. really, really fucked that up. Yeah. But, um, I <laughs> There's mean, no way he... Like, yeah, I, I, I... I forgive him a lot of things in the prequels, more so than most people are willing to, but that one I cannot. Yeah. Like, if he, if she, he does, that is how she If he gives her that. the... If he offers her, join your old master, you know, join the dark side, and we will... All three of us can rule the galaxy. And she's like, no, I'll never join the dark side. And Anakin, I don't believe you would, you would kill me. And he's like... You're right. I'll kill you, man. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I don't. But like, uh, she's like, Anakin, please. And it he would, just watches her die. No, nah, because and, but, like, but, the but whole, it's not even Anakin. It's, it's Sky Guy, please. <laughs> and he's like, frankly, this is kind of hot for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's evil now. He's awful. He's an awful person. I don't know. He's man. human garbage. I, I don't think he would have done that though. I, I really like the conceit of her of him joining the dark side to be able to save her her life yeah like that was the whole reason he joined the dark side yeah. because like so why would he then watch I, her I know. so i'm saying the setup for revenge of the sith was stupid like i understand was a it was an extension of the whole thing with his mother right i can see how that works on like a basic story but where it it got to in the original trilogy i don't think that whole like everlasting life thing yeah, Vader bringing Ahsoka to the Emperor and then having a similar scene, even if it's not identical, play out would be really powerful. Yeah, she's yeah. like, Master, please. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, God. so you're right. Yeah. I think I think the way as presented in Revenge of the Sith with, with the whole like extension because, of his mother dying, yeah, Padme. Because, because you know, but, I guess I guess shouldn't be killed in front of him. But also but mirroring, the, you can the, now do it with Ahsoka. But mirroring what Luke says, where he's like, he's like, just let go of your hate. I feel the good in you. Ahsoka would feel that. Yeah, she would know mm-hmm. that. She'd be saying similar things like. Anakin, I know. He's like, that name, I'm no longer Anakin, I'm Darth Vader. And then you hear Luke do it again, and then, like, Vader's, like, reciting it at yeah. that point, because yep. he, it's the lie that he yeah, tells I, himself. I mean, it should be the entire thing. Even the, like, I can't, you know, 
betray my master. You know, like basically yeah, yeah. like. And then when yeah. Luke brings it up, he then adds the part of, well, it's too late for me. No, like he's already killed his apprentice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, so he considers himself. It's one more step that Vader took that he can. Ne- he thinks in his mind's eye that he can never return from. But Luke's the one that makes him do it. That, it's and, his own son, and that would ultimately serve this this story. Brill- Anakin, yeah, that would be this great. Anakin Skywalker story, yeah. which I mean, like, which is what it is. Um, which once again, like that. How great would that be for Return of the Jedi when you're like, oh shit! I you know chronologically, I've seen this. I know that he's not going to like, you know help luke out yeah like like you know that that's uh, so yeah. dangerous of that. god yeah. that'd be good yeah uh spill you should write you should uh <laughs> you should uh, you need to write feloni yeah i i'm i'm sure feloni's taking care of that episode her death but i mean sure why not uh hey so speaking of ahsoka now we just that's a beautiful moment to close off on and this episode's gone long again hey sorry guys i, I don't know if uh, is consistent episode length something you're interested in let us know um <laughs> But we did talk, say we're going to talk about Ahsoka, the Ahsoka book behind the, the blast door. So is there anything left to say, spoiler-wise, uh, concerning Ahsoka that should be said here in the blast doors? Uh, not. It, it's an interesting story that doesn't necessarily shake up the galaxy in a spoiler way. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think so. Is, I, it, is it as important to the overall... Uh, like overall story of Star Wars as Bloodlines is. Oh no, no, not at all. It doesn't. It doesn't shake up the galaxy in any way, other than the fact that like the Empire apparently took over. Like, I mean, really set themselves in their evil ways real, real early. That when the Empire shows up to a planet, the people living on that planet are ready to go to violence in order to prevent them from taking it over. Oh, wow! Like, I mean, they immediately started. They immediately become terrorists. I wow. mean, they're blowing things up. Does the book explain why the Death Star fires green laser beams out of kyber crystals? Because <laughs> the Death Star is like, you know what? I'm a, you know it's what? the because noble Death is, Star uh, somehow some shit because Qui Gon was like it, stoic. Because because we're behind the blast stars, we'll go ahead. I'll I'll read the the updated Wikipedia explanation for kyber crystals oh, in color now based this. on Ahsoka. Kyber crystals were inherently attuned to the light side of the force and would attempt to resist any effort by dark side practitioners to utilize them in lightsabers. Bullshit. To this end, the only way a Sith or other dark sider could make use of a kyber crystal was to use the force to dominate the crystal, bending it to their will. Bullshit. This process would cause the crystal to bleed as if it were a living organism, oh. resulting in a distinctive crimson bladed lightsaber synonymous with the Sith. However, it was also possible to heal a kyber crystal corrupted <laughs> in this way. The only known instance of purifying a corrupted kyber crystal was when Ahsoka Tano purified the two crystals she received from the six brothers' lightsaber following his defeat. In this case, the crystals turned white. That is some fan fiction bullshit. Hey, that is where we're at now. And oh. you know what? It will not last that long because the minute they come up with another thing, don't know why a dark saber's black. Mm. Which, you know, that came out of Clone Wars and the Dark Saber will be back in an upcoming episode. I actually believe this week's episode of Rebels, the Dark Saber. Oh, no shit. Yeah, if the Mandalorians are coming, then uh, they probably have yep. that sword. Yep. yep. And uh, which also, um, one of the returning or one of the Mandalorian commandos from the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comic is making his TV appearance. Ooh, Gar that's Saxon, cool. Which was one of the commandos from that comic. Uh, Do you think that the reason why Kylo Ren's saber is so unstable and like it growls and all that kind of stuff, do you think it's because of his, like he's bled his original crystal (laughs) 
you know what I'm saying? I think it's because he's a shitty electrical engineer. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I'm does just it, saying. Does it also say that if you bleed the crystal out, it morphs its shape so that it the beam that it emits can there, thereby create lift if you swing it fast enough, like a <laughs> helicopter blade? Why don't why don't why don't Jedi do that? I hate those. Yeah. Like I, I really wish they didn't do that in Rebels. One of the few creative decisions that I really hate from Rebels. But I, I love it, but I suppose I love it more in a lightning dog's way than I do in a this should be in Star Wars way. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make That is true. You know, it, it does kinda like it, it kinda works with the ridiculous Imperial prison transports that they have, the you know, imprison them on the outside just like the Kenner figures. It's a beam of light. How does it cut through the air? Like, how does it get lift? <laughs> How's, how does it cut through people? Same thing. Well, light it's physical. Moves, light moves through. Yeah, if you want to get to the yeah, light waves, yeah, okay, whatever. But it just to, to push to push air if you fast enough. So if I swing a flashlight fast enough, will it <laughs> it also, I thought, I thought lightsabers are plasma. Are they though? Then why aren't I'm they plasma pretty sabers? Pretty sure they are. Well, I mean, George Lucas still calls them laser swords. Why anything with terminology? Yeah, the Goongas. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we're going to go. Um, but thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you real soon. There's, there's all, man, no shortage of surprises in the world of Star Wars. <laughs> and, um, and as for Colin and Matt and the, uh, the Clone Wars discussion, well, uh, we, we talked about having a, an article at some point, and, oh, right, and that, yeah. that, is, uh, that is forthcoming. There's, there's a rough draft in place, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you informed as to when that goes live so you'll know exactly how you should be watching Clone Wars when the time comes, when you feel like, hey, it's the holidays. I need to, uh, I need to sit down and watch something because it's cold as shit outside. I need to close myself in a room and uh, away from my family and watch something. Yeah. Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll we'll get you outfitted with that, and we'll let you know when that goes live. Definitely uh, stay tuned to State of the Empire and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Support us if you can, and we'll see you next time. Taking us out is some spacey chip tunes by Sievert. This is Space Minds Ahead from the 2010 album Beyond the Frontier.
So uh, Palpatine, this is pre-episode one, Palpatine was uh, training Darth Maul, and uh, he took him to, to give him a little bit of backstory in his history, he took him to Korriban, and he was touring him through like these uh, ancient Sith temples and stuff. And he went into like uh, the Sith burial chambers where they keep some holocrons. Yeah. And as they're walking through the Sith burial chamber, Palpatine says to Darth Maul, you know why I can't be buried here? And Darth Maul says, no, why? And he goes, because I'm not dead yet. <laughs> this is dad jokes. So why are you lowering yourself by telling them, you Sith scum? <laughs> well, do you know what, what the fastest liquid is in the entire Star Wars galaxy? I don't know. Can I do the Kessel Run and 12 parsecs? No. The fastest liquid in the Star Wars galaxy is uh, actually blue milk. You know why? No. Why? Be- because it's pasteurized before you ever even see it. Fuck you! <laughs> Do we even know what that shit's made out of? Milk! <laughs> From what? It gives you the Kessel Bantha. 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 Yeah. Bantha is it, milk? Is it really Bantha milk? I be- uh, why wouldn't it be? It is Bantha milk. There oh. you go. Wow. Weird. Yeah. The more you know. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 